The New Testament reveals that the true and living God has an eternal purpose. It was formed in eternity past. It is being carried out in time. And the consummation will remain for eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. For the fulfillment of this purpose, which is to have the church as the corporate expression of Christ, becoming the bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem. For this purpose, according to his will, God created all things. The physical universe created by God, operates according to the laws God built into his creation. But he created beings with a will, angels first, and then human beings. So since there are now the angels and human beings with a will, and the capacity to obey God or disobey God, God established his government in the universe. Primarily to rule over and direct the activities of the angelic beings, but especially of the human beings. And this government of God is the ruling center of the kingdom of God in its two aspects. The first aspect of the kingdom of God is that it refers to everything in God's creation. The whole universe is his kingdom in an outward way. The second aspect is the kingdom is a realm of life like the plant kingdom is, the animal kingdom, the human kingdom. It also is a realm, a realm of life brought forth by our regeneration. We enter into the kingdom of God. So in the universe as his kingdom, and in the kingdom as a realm of life, God has a governing center, and that is his throne. And regarding the throne, there is a very important verse in Psalm 89, verse 14. That verse says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. God's entire government rests on righteousness and justice. This is the outstanding characteristic. He requires that everything in his kingdom over which he rules must be according to justice and righteousness. 
Unfortunately, rebellions took place first in the angelic realm where the enemy of God now has his own satanic kingdom. A certain number of the angelic beings followed him to become the evil spirits, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And also there was a pre-Adamic situation on the earth with beings seemingly approximately human, maybe they were the Neanderthals or the Cro-Manians, I don't know, but beings with a will existed and they all participated in this rebellion. Therefore, God severely judged his whole creation. That's why Genesis 2 says there was just chaos, darkness upon the deep, This was not a step in God's creation. This was the issue of God's righteous judgment. Then starting in Genesis 1-3, God engages in restoration and further creation. Then he created man in his image, given to be his representative to exercise dominion in order to recover the earth and to fill the earth with God's expression. But the enemy intruded, deceived the woman, but in the eyes of God, it's the man fully responsible for the fall because he deliberately disobeyed God's word. So then sin entered, and the issue of that is death. But God has a will. According to Revelation 4.11, all things were created because of his will. God's will is what he wants. His purpose is his determined intention. So he will not be defeated. So in addition to his government based on righteousness, he then established the system of grace, a way for God's chosen people, chosen in eternity past, to be redeemed and forgiven and cleansed and justified, that is made righteous before God. So this also was planned in eternity past because of God's foreknowledge. He knew what would happen, and there was an agreement among the Godhead that the second, the Son, would become a man according to God's grace, because when he came, Grace and reality came, and through his life on earth, through his all-inclusive death on the cross, his resurrection and ascension, he opened the way for us to be saved by grace. 
But the goal of our being saved by grace is for us to be brought back under the righteous rule of God's government. And as we live under God's government, God has a way to carry out his eternal purpose to build up the church as the body of Christ, which will become the bride of Christ and the wife of Christ, the new Jerusalem in the new heaven and the new earth. So there is a government in this universe. There is a government over the entire human race. Although the earth is filled with the principle of rebellion. So the gospel has main, we can say two main aspects. It's the gospel of the grace of God. It's an announcement of the good news that Christ died for our redemption. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. He died in our place. God accepted his death instead of ours. And as we sang in hymn 20, God's righteousness requires him to forgive us because Christ already paid the price on our behalf. And so this is how the Christian life begins. The way the prodigal son's recovery began. He came home because he was hungry. But before the father fed him, he called for the best robe to be wrapped around him. And that garment signifies Christ as righteousness covering us. All of us have this garment. That is why we had the peace to partake of the Lord's table. Then based upon this righteousness we can be regenerated because the dispensing of life is based upon righteousness. So Romans 8.10 says, our spirit is life because of righteousness. Now if God is to carry out his purpose with his seeking, loving believers on the earth, the believers need to realize we're not only under grace, we are under a righteous government, the government of God. And on the one hand, under this government, God, according to his nature, must judge every unrighteous thing and every unrighteous word and activity to open the way for him to have the kingdom and righteousness on the earth. But while this is taking place, God is caring for all of our needs with his faithful, loving, tender-hearted care. He's supplying us with grace. He sends his son to be the shepherd of our soul. So this government is the best place to be. On the one hand, there's no injustice here. 
Everything is fair. Everything is righteous. But that's not all there is. Once we agree and respect this aspect of the kingdom, of the government, we realize the other side. There's the provision here, the blessing here, the grace here, the love here, the tender care here, the all-inclusive shepherding here. So the general subject of our little conference is the Christian life and the government of God. Now, when a human being, a little, an infant, is born, the child has no way of being conscious of where she is. Or the little one, where he is. It takes some basic growth in life until he sees, who are these big people? Uh, Mama, Daddy. And maybe he's not the firstborn. Who are these others? They're bigger than me, but smaller than Mama and Daddy. Oh, this is a family. I'm not the only person that exists. I'm part of a family. But the family's not all that exists. They live in a community, in a big city, in a state, in a country, in a continent, on the earth. So there's this normal development of the consciousness. And then as the child is being raised, the child is trained how to live as a human being as part of this community. And every country you're in has a government. And so in school, at least to some extent, they're going to teach you about the government so you'll understand how to live here. Well, the principle is the same. Our country is the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the heavenly kingdom. And this kingdom is a government and a ruling center. And maybe some of us, let's just say in, in driving, uh, a police vehicle pulls us over, and sometimes they just say, do you know why I pulled you over? And we can honestly say, I don't know. I'm not aware of anything. And then the officer points out that actually you broke this law. Okay? You didn't do it deliberately, but you did. And you said, I didn't know. Then the next thing they say, ignorance is no excuse. Right? <laughs> You can't say, please let me go. Don't write out a ticket. Just give me a warning. I didn't know. Well, now you know. And so we cannot appeal to ignorance for an excuse. However, God, in his kindness and mercy, understands the difference between those who do not know anything about God's government, yet they disobey, but not purposely. They just do. And there are those who learn the truth 
concerning God's government. And they have more responsibility. But it's only through them that God can fulfill his purpose. Those that are ignorant of God's purpose, of his will, of his economy, of his plan, of his government, will just wander their whole Christian life. When they meet the Son of Man, they will not be mature in life. They will not be ready to reign in the kingdom. They will not be invited to the wedding feast. That's just a fact. They've been under a religious system with the blind leading the blind. And so many of the ministers, this I know from my theological background, you are blinded the more you study theology in the seminary. The professors are blind for the most part. And then the blind lead the blind. And now you've got the clergy laity system where it's just understood. You follow everything I say. So there's darkness all over the place. And so the dear believers who really care for the Lord and respect their pastor, their minister, they, but they can say, I didn't know. The Lord would say, I realize that. But because you didn't know, you didn't grow. And there's nothing I can reward about your life. So you need another period of time to mature. And here are, as another group, those who knew, because they were under the genuine and pure and faithful ministry, and they were not selective in what was released in the ministry. They were like the Bereans. They received everything and then studied the scriptures to confirm that this is according to the word of God. We don't follow blindly. We don't follow any person blindly. We follow the truth. We trust. Our spirit knows. It bears witness with the truth. Yet, everything must be based on the written word of God. And so those, I consider, they're blessed. They really are blessed. And that's us in the Lord's recovery then we have more responsibility than those who don't know. And so if we know, and then when it comes down to it, we just refuse to live this way. We just won't take this way. Then we will be in a more serious situation before the Son of Man than the dear believers who could say they didn't know. But... It, again, I say it is with this category of spiritually educated believers that God can work with. And that's what we're here for. We were created because of God's will. We were saved to be brought back to God to fulfill his purpose. Now we realize we're in the kingdom of God. In this kingdom, there's a government established on righteousness and we need to learn basic things about this government, the side of righteousness with judgment and discipline, and the side of grace and love and shepherding and blessing and peace 
and joy. And they, and they go simultaneously. It's as if there's no government like this on the earth, no nation, as if there were a nation in which there is absolute justice. There's no corruption at all. On every level, there's absolute justice and righteousness. There's no bias, prejudice, discrimination of any kind. And the laws are strict, but they are enforced equally. But then you realize here is the best system of health care for all the citizens from the time you're born throughout your whole life and the best educational system and such a pure physical environment and such a peaceful, pleasant situation, then you realize who would not want to live here I don't blame people who are trying to sneak in somehow, but this is a righteous country, so no one can sneak in, because then someone would be there unrighteously, that would contaminate the situation. Well, there's no such place on the earth. But I would say, honestly, if any country somewhat approximates that, it's where we are right now, approximates. But still at the core, there's chaos in the government. We live in a time of hatred and animosity and lies and all kinds of things. So I'm waiting the time <clears throat> when the Lord comes back with his bridal army, defeats Antichrist and his army, and abolishes human government. <clears throat> I just wish, little sidebar for the fun of it, <clears throat> I just wish, it won't happen, that Congress would have passed a law that there can be no politicking prior to a presidential election before the July 4th of that year. But what's going to happen is a couple of days after the election, they'll be talking about 2024. It's just unbearable. <clears throat> but back to our point. The spiritual realm with the spiritual government is real. And the Lord wants us to learn to live our Christian life and our church life here. So in the first message, we presented the view of the universal government of God and that Christ, when he was a man on the earth, he lived under this government. And so all the attacks on him, all the reviling, he just would immediately refer to God who judges righteously. And then he died for us to fulfill God's righteous requirements so that we may live unto righteousness. But the way we live unto righteousness is by Christ, the righteous one, living in us. So that is the Christian life. It's not us trying to be improved. It is Christ living in us. Then when we let him do this, we become, this is message three, the reproduction of Christ 
as the firstborn son of God. I'm glad we sang hymn 203. The first stanza mentions the only begotten son. And when God gave him, he was the same. That is, he was the only begotten son on the earth. But through death and resurrection with his humanity, he became the firstborn son of God, who now has many brothers, and as a result, God has many sons. And in the Bible, sons includes females and males, just as the bride includes males and females. God's use of language is different from the political correct atmosphere that is just saturating the air. So now we come to the final message of this little conference, growing in life for God's building. Because this is now the goal. The building is the goal, and growing in life is the means. And so I need to take a little time to explain what but it is to grow in life. What is happening when we're growing in life? Because it's not going to help us just to throw around words and expressions. We want the reality that's conveyed in these words. What do we mean by growth in life? How can we have some assurance that we are growing in life? And then the goal is God's building. What do we mean by building? The Bible ends with the revelation of the consummate building, the holy city. God is building an entire city, and the city is a person because it's the wife. So, growth, the growth in life, what is it? Okay, there are six points in three pairs. And this is the basic truth concerning the growth in life. So the first pair, the growth in life is the increase of the element of God within us. So as the element of God increases, through God's dispensing himself into us and our allowing this element to fill us and saturate us, that is the growth in life. The other side of this pair is the growth in life is the diminishing of the natural human element. So something must increase and something must decrease. And sometimes, I'm not spying on anybody, but you just sense. I haven't seen you for a while. What an increase. There's just an increase. It's, it's so clear. It's like grandpa seeing uh, grandchildren after two years. You just are struck by, what? How'd you get so big? And at other times, you just sense the decrease. 
I'm aware of this person, so strong in the disposition, so opinionated. But that's diminishing. Surely he has really been experiencing certain things. So the growth in life is the increase of the element of God, the decrease of the human element. Okay? Pair number two. The growth in life is the increase of the stature of Christ in us. So this is the person himself. And the Christ, of course, in himself is fully grown. But he's not yet fully grown in us. So his stature is increasing. And again, that becomes something perceptible. If you're with someone every day, like you're with your children every day, you don't sense the growth so much as when there's a gap and you realize more Christ. And sometimes insincerity. I never do anything politically. I can just say I haven't been here for a while. Well, more Christ. Be encouraged. More Christ. Then the other side is the denying of the self. So the cross has to be applied to the self. And here I would point out we're not empty vessels. That we're just empty vessels so that all you have to do is put in the element of God, the increase of the stature of Christ. Nothing else needs to happen. No it's perilous to be empty. The Lord will never allow us to be empty. It's better to be natural than empty. And so there'll be a gradual transition from the natural life to the resurrection life. That protects us. That's why we're all in the process. Sort of like the teenage years. Your daughter, she may conduct herself like a young woman to. And two hours later, it's just like a naughty little girl. Which is true. Both are true. Because she's transitioning toward womanhood. Then the third pair, the growth in life, is the increase of the ground within us under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit as more room in us, more ground in us. That's on the positive side. Then what's on the negative side? The growth in life is the subduing of everything in us contrary to God. Okay, subduing. Not just defeating. My ancestors from Finland, also from Sweden, there's some mixture here, but the Finns have a reputation for being stern, courageous, tough, fierce fighters. And the Russians knew this. 
But the Finns always lost to the Russians because of superior numbers. And it'll be the same thing happened in Poland. They suffered so much. That nation has suffered so much. When I visited Warsaw and the rebuilt area of the, of the beautiful area downtown, the Finns and the Poles and any other country, you're defeated, but inwardly, you're not subdued. You, you may be occupying Warsaw now or Helsinki now, but we're going to drive you out of here eventually. We're not subdued. We're just waiting for a time. We'll rise up again. Well, the Lord needs to defeat us like he defeated Jacob in a night-long wrestling match. Quite a tough opponent. It had to be settled before sunrise, so the Lord just touched the core of his strength. So he defeated him. But he wasn't subdued. To be subdued means there's no resistance in your being. In your mind, in your emotion, in your will, there's just no resistance. That's to be subdued. So what we actually have here is the element of God the Father increasing, the stature of Christ increasing, the ground given to the Holy Spirit increasing. This is the triune God, right? Do you see? This is the triune God dispensed into us, gradually filling us. But this needs to be matched by a reduction. And the reduction is through the application of the cross by the Spirit. And if we're not willing to experience the reduction, growth stops. And I know, dear saints, I love them, I care for them, I'm concerned for them. They've been here, some of them, maybe 56 years. Their growth in life stopped 30 years ago. And Brother Lee was fully aware of this with his discernment. And it's not easy, to say the least. It's almost humanly impossible. How do you help a person like this? Who knows so much, who's familiar with everything, who outwardly is fully in the recovery, attending the feasts, or at least absorbing the material. But something has stopped. And usually it's the reluctance, if not the refusal. And there's one brother I know. He was maybe 10 years older than I. He went to be with the Lord in his 80s. And he, he helped me a little bit when I first came into the recovery. But then he honestly said, he said that he, I just, he just said no to the cross. Nothing could touch him. He wouldn't allow the Lord to touch him. So the Lord didn't touch him. Then what happens? 
as a person ages, aspects of the natural life grow. Your disposition will harden. Your peculiarity will become more peculiar. The self will become stronger. And if you live long, then in your final days, there's the full development of the natural life, the self, the disposition, the peculiarity. And Brother Lee had a special training in 1980 for Southern California only. He wouldn't even allow the messages to go to Texas for a long time. And when he began that training, he raised this question. Does your growth in life match the length of time you have been in the Lord's recovery? And we all and really, we'd have to say no. If we didn't say no, he would say no. And then every meeting, he would get a group of brothers with him on the platform and ask them questions, and they would have to answer. Then he would respond to their questions. I learned from him, he didn't do this with sisters. Okay, You have to care for them in another way. You care for them, but not in that way. And so he, in this book, The Perfecting Training, in the first half, he just defines these matters. So the growth in life is the increase of the triune God, the decrease of the natural human element, the denial of the self, the subduing of everything else. And on our part, the crucial thing is but I, what we refer to as the third stage of the experience of life. In the first stage, we're regenerated and we clear the past. The second stage, we consecrate ourselves to the Lord. We learn to deal with sin. We learn to deal with the world. We learn to deal with the conscience. These are the main things. And if we're diligent, we'll be very good, conscientious people. Very moral. Not worldly. We may have our failures, we sins, but we don't practice sin. We're not living in sin. We don't love the world. We may have to struggle, but we don't love the world. We're consecrated to the Lord. And so many stop there. And they're just good people. Not Godmen. They have a big second O. The third stage is when the Lord turns inwardly. First, He has to train us to do, deal with sin, the world, and the conscience. But He knows the real problems are all inward with the flesh the self, and the natural constitution. And it's been in my heart for at least 30 years. It's something that burdens me and governs me in every aspect of my 
portion in the Lord's ministry is how I long for my brothers and sisters to grow normally, to grow to maturity. How are we going to have an army if there's just a bunch of kids all over the earth? And there's no army yet, but I believe more after the numbers trainings have an aspiration. I want to reach the age of 20, enter the fourth stage. But one must be willing for the cross under the light of life to deal with every aspect of the flesh, then the self, then the natural constitution. That's why I'm so glad we sang hymn 837. We didn't sing it when it was first called because we were saving it for the transition. So I hope the brother who called is at rest and at peace. Just a timing matter. Good call, just a timing adjustment. Break all the natural life for us. Did you know you prayed that? When you sang... Deal thou with each peculiar way. And so this goes along with the positive side. And whenever we come to the Lord, we should be focused absolutely on the positive side. Don't come to him and say, Lord, I'm here for you to deal with myself. And I'm here for you to deal with my flesh. And I'm devoting this time for you to deal with my natural constitution. He doesn't want to hear that. Lord, I love you. I'm here to receive more dispensing and to allow you to increase in me today. You pray positively, but the Lord knows you understand this includes the diminishing side. And you're willing for that. And just like One of our sisters shared last night, even when she said, when she said a strong no to God, she's also saying, don't pay attention to it. Because underlying the no is a deep yes. Then, Then this makes it so genuine. You can be honest with the Lord what you're feeling at the same time. You can tell him, don't stop. I don't want you to do it, but don't listen to me. I'm just letting you know how I feel. Okay. And then now building. What is God's building? Well, let me say what it's not. It's not any kind of organization of any kind. Maybe 10 years ago. I was becoming more and more aware of the situation in all of South America, the whole continent. And I spent a little time there on the way back from South Africa to go back to L.A. And I was in a meeting and listened to their so-called apostles speak for five hours. He spoke for five hours. And I went back to my room and it was so clear. There's a gigantic hierarchy built up over the whole continent. More than a clergy-laity system, as as elaborate as the Roman Catholic Church. 
Then you have the man at the top. I am the man. I am the apostle. This is my kingdom. Then I appoint brothers to rule all the countries. And then all the churches are to obey everything I say and they say for me. Then it became so clear. This clergy laity system built up. God is going to tear it down. I'm not going to try to tear it down. I didn't go there with a pocket full of hand grenades, rockets. I'm not going to do anything. But I want God to tear it down so all the saints can be free to live in the body life. And eventually, that's what happened. And now, every time we visit Brazil, we see more and more, more and more being recovered. And so, God's building is organic. It is versus any kind of organization. And building is not saints who like each other forming little clans. You know, I heard in a certain place about a group of brothers and maybe their families. They're just trying to do everything together. We do this and that together. They are a sect that will become cancerous if they don't let the Lord touch them. They may say, this is building. In 1977 and 78, there was a counterfeit building in Anaheim among a group of sisters. And they sat in a meeting in rank. And one was the queen, we might say. Then those that were the closest. And during Memorial Day weekend, 1977, Brother Lee was giving a conference in Anaheim on all ages in the Lord's recovery. And in one message, he stopped and he addressed this thing openly and said, he defined what it is and said, this must end. But they wouldn't take Brother Lee's assessment. This is cancerous. So this put God and the Lord into a dilemma. Do I allow them to stay and the church dies? Or do I remove them? And he cut them out. But it took years. The sisters suffered so much for them to be healed and restored. So what is building? The definition Brother Lee gives, which governs my thinking and my speaking, is in the book, The Vision of God's Building, from the middle 60s. Building is the corporate expression of the triune God. And we're the corporate side. We're the corporate expression. So we are in oneness. And eventually that oneness is it the oneness in the glory of God mentioned in John 17. So this means there's no self-expression. We're all expressing God. So it's the corporate expression. That's the building. 
When the angel told John, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb, John then saw the holy city. Then the first characteristic of her was having the glory of God. God is expressed corporately. So anything short of God's glory is dealt with. And now we're one in life, one in the word, and one in the divine glory. And in order for us to grow into this building, we need to experience and learn two basic things. Okay, the side of corporate. Corporate means you realize that you cannot live without Christ and you cannot live without the body of Christ. You are a member. You're not just a believer, a person, a child of God, a person. You're a member, not a person. You remove my thumbs. My body will go on living. Be a little hard to tie shoelaces, maybe hold a pen. But the thumbs will cease to be. And this has to be something we realize. Not just a concept. The concept's not wrong, but it, it's not reality. You just learn from experience. I need genuine fellowship. I need to be related to saints. I need to pray for others. I need them to pray for me. I cannot live. I need the body as much as I need the triune God. So that deals with independence and being individualistic. You're still an individual in the sense of being a distinct person, but it's the istic part. You're not isolated. <coughs> not everything is focused on you. You're more and more conscious of the body. And when you reach this, then you're in another realm. And your spiritual awareness is in another dimension. That's when you can say, we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. You have no reason to shed tears personally, but you're aware of a particular kind of suffering and you feel the pain and you weep. And here someone is blessed or they're honored or even maybe their children are, and you're not envious, you're not jealous, you're not saying, what about me? Why am I going through this? You're just out of yourself. You just rejoice. And so when I heard that uh, a 30-plus-year-old brother, a son, I care about him, he met her. 
the Lord brought her to him. And they got married. And then I saw the two of them last night. I'm just, I'm inwardly dancing with joy. You're not my daughter. You're not my son. But we're members one of another. I'm so happy for you. We rejoice. I don't say, well, one of my sons is not married. Lord, why is this and that and this and that? That's the self. It's terrible. But you don't do this like, okay, I'm in the body. I'm I'm supposed to cry now, okay? (laughs) Boo-hoo-hoo. Okay, I'm supposed to rejoice now. (laughs) No, that's all fake. But then corporate expression. And so, Brother Lee uses a term, you know, well, I'll just say this way. There's no more self-expression. And Brother Lee calls it self-likeness. It's just when any one of us does something and we just realize that is just so you. Now, I don't know if sisters or women say this anymore to each other if they go dress shopping together and the friends are helping the one and one comes out with this dress, no. And she tries in another one, no. And she puts on another one and they say, yes, it's so you. (laughs) Okay, so if someone says to you, oh, oh, what you said, it's just so you, you realize basically you just exhibited yourself. But we're all in a process. So don't be afraid to stand and get a mic in half an hour from now because you won't give a perfect speaking. None of us can give a perfect speaking. I would have to stay home, not travel, not go anywhere. If the standard is absolutely perfect, But we're in the process, learning by doing, and building is corporate expression, where inwardly you know this is why you were saved. This is why you were created, to be part of this corporate expression, who will be, which will be the bride, the counterpart. And those that are, they grow in life to maturity, now, and they're built up now, they will receive in their spiritual email a wonderful invitation. Dear so-and-so, you are invited to the marriage dinner of the Lamb. You are ready, you are mature, you are experienced, You have your wedding dress. You're an experienced warrior. You're part of the bride. So everyone who's invited is actually part of the bride. There's just two persons there, apart from the father. The bridegroom and the bride. And with my whole heart, I just long to open up my spiritual inbox And hear the Lord say, it's time to go. And so 
what's in our heart is she and I will make our last trip together raptured live to the throne for the wedding feast. That's the goal. Now, just one other matter. The growing in life is for both the building and the kingdom. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we're told we are partakers of the divine nature. Then verses 5 through 7 trace the growth in life to maturity. And then we find out in verse 11 that this growth is our entrance into the coming kingdom. We grow into it. The growth in life is the entrance. So I read verses 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be the more diligent to make your calling and selection firm. For doing these things, you shall by no means stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly and bountifully supplied to you. It won't be that, oh, I just want to just barely make it. Lord, just let me in. Don't set the, the aim so low. This verse, what? Richly and bountifully supplied to you. Just your growth and your being built up. When the Lord sees you, he said, come on in. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done. Instead of hoping we will make it, fearing we will not make it, being discouraged, saying to ourselves, I'm not an overcomer, I'm an undergoer. <laughs> we turn it around and say, Lord, I pray for normal growth in life. Amen. From where I am right now to maturity. Okay? It's not too late. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that it's too late. And sometimes I point out maybe a dear brother or sister has been away for 20 years, maybe more. Then you're brought back home. And you're happy and we're happy. Then the enemy says, yeah, you're here. Too late. Okay? So I want to speak on behalf of such a person, speaking to the enemy too late? It's too late for you, you creep, you lying creep. It's not too late for me. Why? Yes, a lot of years were lost. Yes. But I'd like to quote a verse to you, you lying creep. I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Amen. How God can do this, I don't know. But he can restore the lost time. It's Amen. not too late. Amen. Well, I felt you needed. I can't say this was an opening word. This is, in effect, the whole message. Right. Now, the outline is sort of like a lengthy P.S. <laughs> to the whole thing.
thing, but there's some important points here that in 20 or 25 minutes, my portion will be done and it'll be your chance to just confirm and complete the word. God's goal is to have a spiritual house built up with living stones. As life to us, Christ is the incorruptible seed. For God's building, he is the living stone. So he is the cornerstone. He is the top stone. He's the living stone. And Peter, preaching the gospel in Acts 4, 10 through 12, declares there's salvation in no other than this, no other person. Then he points out that Christ is the stone. You rejected him, but God has made him the head of the corner. And we'll read point B. But the moment the Lord met Peter, who was Simon, he changed his name. I mean, that's quite radical. Suppose I'm introduced to a brother after this meeting. Then I say, okay, I'm going to change your name. Who do you think you are? Well, this is the Lord saying, I'm going to change your name to Stone. So you may be a big lump of fisherman clay. You're going to be a stone, a living stone. And so if we have the proper view of no age discrimination in the church, we will no longer say, oh, the young, they're living, but they have no spiritual weight. Then the older ones... We're dead, but we really have a lot of weight. No, we are becoming living stones. More living and more constituted with Christ as the stone. At Peter's conversion, the Lord gave him a new name, Peter, a stone. And when Peter received the revelation concerning Christ, the Lord revealed further that he, Christ, was the rock, a stone. By these two incidents, Peter received the impression that both Christ and his believers are living stones for God's building. My younger grandson his name is Samuel Stone Kangas. My son David has a creative way for middle names. His firstborn son is Joshua True Kangas. The daughter born last, Alisa Hope Kangas. And uh, you know, being a teenager, 16, if he has to give his middle name, he feels kind of self-conscious, uncomfortable. But he was still at Acacia Wood School, this Christian school, and the teacher said, Sam, 
one day you will be thankful for having that name. Stone. True stone hope. I think that expresses the heart of the parents. And so we're going to be living stones where God's building. It doesn't matter what you are by nature, what kind of disposition you have. We're all bound to become living stones. And we will see later the way to become a living stone is to drink a lot of spiritual milk. The pure milk of the word. You take in the milk and it becomes a stone in your being. See, we the believers in Christ are living stones as the duplication of Christ through regeneration and transformation. We were created clay, but at regeneration, we received the seed of the divine life, which by its growing in us transforms us into living stones. The seed is the all-inclusive Christ in life form, and the seed will grow into a stone. That's why we will be solid as the sister testified last night, we will be unshakable. But this stone will be built in. I use this illustration many times. A long time ago, in the early 1970s, I was walking home after a meeting with the brothers. And on the sidewalk, there was a stone about that side, that size. And for some reason, I just felt like kicking it, like I did when I was a kid. So I just kicked it, and it went skidding along the sidewalk, and I would get up to it, and then would kick it again. I don't know why. I, I wasn't mad at anything. I, and I did this a few times, and then I got some light. I believe it was from the Spirit. And there was an inner speaking. Ron, you can kick that stone because it's all by itself on the sidewalk. Take that same stone and build it into a wall. Now kick it. <laughs> then you will break your toes. And I saw something that if I remain an isolated individual, the enemy can kick me around. Anytime he wants, any way he wants. But if I'm built in, that's another matter. And when you are built in, you're not, you're not asking, you're not courting any kind of attack, but you can tell him, be careful, enemy. You used to kick me around. Just me. But now you kick me the whole body will respond. The whole building will respond. I was working in a factory doing manual labor because I couldn't get a teaching job and I was raised to not be ashamed of working with your hands. And so I was lifting this heavy metal bar and it slipped out of my hand and fell on my big right 
toe, broke it into a few places. And it wasn't the toe all by itself felt the pain. The whole body, the whole body felt it. So it's really safe to be built in. Then, if the enemy tries to get us, we can realize the whole army of God, the whole body of Christ will respond. The body just does this automatically. That's why I believe many sisters here, just in your life with the Lord, you're just going about so many chores and suddenly you just have the sense to pray for someone. You don't know why. You just have to pray for that one. Then you find out later the situation that one was in. Because you were one with the Lord, the head knew this, and so he flowed to you, just pray. I'll anoint you to pray. And then that situation is dealt with. It's so good we're in different time zones. So there's always some awake that can pray. But sometimes, as some of you know, the Lord wakes you up. You're just wide awake, 2.30 a.m. Why, Lord? Then you pray, especially the sisters. They really are good at this. We need this. Then you go back to sleep. Because this is a real thing, this building. Okay, two, since God's building is living, it is growing. The actual building up of the church as the house of God is by the believer's growth in life. That's how you became an adult with a full-grown body when you started as one cell. One cell, that's how we all started. Look at us now. Then in the mother's womb, in the sight of God, we're a person already from the time of conception. That's a person. He told Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb. I knew you. Then little baby's born. Baby grows to child, teenager, young adult. This is how our body was built up. This is how the church is built up. In order to grow in life for God's building, we must love the Lord, take heed to our spirit, <clears throat> and guard our heart with all diligence to stay on the pathway of life. So this is the main exercise. Stay on the pathway of life. Lord, deliver us from right and wrong. Keep us on the pathway of life. Pay attention to your spirit. Guard your heart. B, if we want Christ's life to be unhindered in us, we must experience the breaking of the cross, the killing death of Christ, in the all-inclusive spirit of Christ, as the spirit of glory, so that the following obstacles within us can be dealt with and removed. So this is where the government is involved. There are obstacles in us, and they need to be removed for our growth. So God exercises his righteous judgment to remove the obstacles. He's not angry at us. He's not punishing us. He's training us. 
And when an obstacle is removed, you will, you will experience this. You will sense an inward release. Just a liberation. There will be a kind of jubilee inside of you. What happened? And you may never really know fully. The Lord would say, I removed an obstacle. Lord, are there more? Remove all of them. I want you to grow unhindered in me. And he said, okay, I'm very good at this. Just leave it up to me. Don't worry about it. You just enjoy me. One, being a Christian means not taking anything other than Christ as our aim. The obstacle to this is not knowing the pathway of life and not taking Christ as our life. And so, dear saints, living by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this is why they have trouble. They assess everything this way. But the proper discernment. Someone says something. And I don't know. I don't, how, how can I determine whether that's accurate or not? Well, there's a way. You're ministering death to me. I know it's not of God. I don't have to know anything else. It's death. So in 1988, 1989, when even some brothers such as John Ingalls, he's with the Lord, so I mention his name, they would say things, critical things, You don't know what to do about it. But there's death coming. Then I'm with Brother Lee and he gives a message. There's only life. No, I'm clear. I choose life. I don't need anything else. I discern by death or life, not by right or wrong. Two, the second obstacle is hypocrisy. A person's spirituality is not determined by outward appearance, but by how he takes care of Christ. So we don't wear masks. We don't put on a show. We just are where we are in the growth in life. And we're not actors in a drama putting on this display. Three, the third obstacle is rebellion. We may be very active and zealous in doing things, but still imprison and disobey the living Christ within us by ignoring him. The word imprison may surprise you, but the Lord is in our spirit. He wants to make his home in our heart. But our attitude is, I'm not paying any attention to this. Then, then our spirit is a prison to him. We're not allowing him to make a home. We just disregard him. Ignoring him. So we need to learn. And this will take lots of little experiences, plus some big ones, to pause before saying something, before deciding something. Just pause. And say, Lord, how do you feel? Just pause. 
pay attention to the sense. So when I was putting gas late at night into this, my car, and I had the sense, don't make a left turn across the double, double yellow line I realized was there. Go all the way around the parking lot and go out through the exit where there's a light. But I didn't pause and say, Lord, is this sense from the Spirit? And I would have the realization, yes, this is me. And I said, okay, this is not just some kind of strange feeling I had that doesn't, doesn't connect to my thinking that this is not realistic. And so th this will be part of our training, to stop ignoring the inner sense, the indwelling Christ. For the fourth obstacle is our natural capabilities. If our natural capabilities remain unbroken in us, they will become a problem to Christ's life. God created us with certain natural abilities. He needs them, but they need to be brought into resurrection. So I have never met one highly intelligent, gifted person who wasn't proud of it. I never met one. And I don't know of any really handsome man or beautiful woman didn't boast in their attractiveness and look in a mirror and worship themselves. Because the self just takes hold of all the positive things God created. But we need to be brought into resurrection, then everything will be purified. Okay, we go on. C, in order to grow in life for God's building, we must put away all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envyings and all evil speakings. When we're under God's government, the Lord will really target our tongue, our speaking. In Matthew 12, the Lord said, you'll give an account of every idle word. So I'd like to be trained, Lord, to stop the empty idle words, the gossip. Someone just wanting information. Then they have information, then they talk. I don't want information. If I ask a question about something, it's because I care about you. I'm not trying to gather information. I'm not the inf information desk of the Lord's recovery. D, in order to grow in life for God's building, we must be nourished with the guileless milk of God's word. The guileless milk is conveyed in the word of God to nourish our inner man through the understanding of our rational mind and is assimilated by our mental faculties. Guileless word will issue in a guileless way of speaking. Read Revelation 14. You have the first fruits, the living overcomers. One of their characteristics is no guile is found in their mouth. Everything is pure. Everything is genuine. Two, although the nourishing milk of the word 
is for the soul through the mind. It eventually nourishes the spirit, making us not soulish but spiritual, suitable for being built up as a spiritual house of God. So all of us need to have times where we're just simple before the Lord, no matter what our capacity is, no matter what we know, what we've experienced. We come to the word in simplicity. Lord, I need nourishment. I need milk. I need food. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Feed me, Lord Jesus. Give me to drink. Fill all my hunger. Quench all my thirst. Flood me with joy. Be the strength of my life. Fill all my hunger. Quench all my thirst. It doesn't matter the most brilliant, genius type person on the earth. You have to breathe and drink and eat just like the rest of us. Just be willing to be an ordinary person needing nourishment, even milk, guileless milk. Three, in order to enjoy the milk of the word, to taste God with his goodness in the word, we must receive the word by means of all prayer and muse on his word. So if I'm stuck at the the red arrow because the other drivers were too slow in their reflexes, then maybe I should spend two and a half minutes to muse on a word. Just think about it. Meditate on it. Pray a little bit about it. Redeem two and a half minutes. When I get two and a half minutes more of God added to you, rather than sulking in yourself for two and a half minutes, sinking in the quicksand of the natural life, little drama there. Okay. A, to muse on the word is to taste and enjoy it through careful considering. We handle the word of God with respect. A verse like Psalm 89, 14, Lord, righteousness and justice are the foundation of of your throne. Lord, the foundation of your whole government is righteousness and justice. Lord, I want this to be the foundation of my being. You want to set up your throne in my being. It has to be set up on righteousness and justice. So I'm musing on this, and then there's just a friendly honk. Beep, beep, driver. Okay, wake up. Okay, now another light. I I redeemed two and a half minutes by musing on a verse. Um, I had the feeling that I'm going to get help from my counterpart with things like this. Because it's very easy to mention it, but I need to be reminded, Ron, time for musing, right? Not for sulking, time for musing. You did it again. You're in the slowest lane. This is not an accident. This is governmental arrangement. Let's muse together. 
I'm just saying right now, I'm now giving the counterpart the full freedom to remind me to muse. Prayer, this little b, speaking to oneself and praising the Lord may also be included. Sometimes you talk to yourself, Lord, I just, I, I just want to grow in life today. I'm, am I talking to the Lord? Am I talking to myself? I hope it's okay. Yeah, I hope it's okay. My present marriage, wonderful blessing, a gift from God. It began when I was going to Russia after not having gone there for a year and a half. I knew hundreds of saints. I knew who Tanya was. I knew hundreds of saints all over the place. And I'm in my bedroom. Then I just spoke out loud. I want to see Tanya. And on one hand, I was surprised. On the other hand, I knew this is from my spirit. And I was both talking to God and to myself. And so this word about talking to yourself is not something silly. We're in the Lord's presence. We just say, Ron, today you're going to enjoy the Lord. Right? Lord, today I'm going to enjoy you. Right? That's right. You ask me to do it, and I'll do it. The Lord, cover me. I just find that experience, to me, it's so precious. But I shared it with you. I hope I'm not in any trouble. (laughs) Okay. So that may also be included in musing on the word. To muse on the word is to chew the cud. To receive the word of God through much reconsideration. By feeding on Christ as the nourishing milk in the word, we grow into full salvation. And here, salvation means building. Unto maturity, through transformation, for glorification. Salvation, in 1 Peter 2.2, is a matter of transformation for God's building. And the last point, we enjoy the milk Christ to nourish us so that we may be transformed with him as the stone Christ and be built up as the body Christ as God's spiritual house into a holy priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people. So this is the goal, the building. I hope some help has been rendered that will, the Spirit will just internalize in you. It'll become part of your being. You realize what a blessing it is to know the truth. And then what a blessing it is to enter into the reality of the truth. And don't be afraid to live under the righteous government of God. This is our protection. This is the safest place. And under, along with his righteousness is his faithful, loving, tender care. So let's commit our souls to the creator. Let us cast all our anxieties on the governing God because it matters 
to him concerning us. My beloved brothers and sisters, from this morning on, until you all meet the Lord, may the Lord bless you all in every way, in everything, in every place, and at every time, until we all get the invitation, come to the marriage dinner of the Lamb. Praise Him. Okay, time for sharing. A minute max, as in the other meetings. Please, follow the inner sense and just stand up to share in whatever language you are comfortable with.